Dear listeners, welcome at this 12th episode of the Meet the Expert podcast series. In this series, together with well-known experts from around the globe, we explore challenges and opportunities in the big veterinary world. And in this episode, we welcome the well-known Professor Joaquim Segales from Catalonia in Spain. Today's subject is, once more, porcine circovirus disease. Two episodes ago, we welcomed uh, Professor Segales' colleague, Dr. Marina Sibila, when we discussed PCV2 diagnostics. And now we shall go ahead where we left off and discuss vaccination strategies against PCVD. Welcome, Professor Segales. Thank you very much, Vincent. My pleasure to be here. Likewise, we are happy to have you here. Um, the Meaty Expert podcast series is a co-production of Böhringer Ingelheim Animal Health and Pig Progress. And my name is Vincent Terbeek. I'm editor for Pig Progress, and I am the host of today's episode. And present at this podcast is also audiovisual editor Iris Hoffman, without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible. And you will hear her later on. Um, our guest, Professor Kim Tsegales, is working as a full professor at the Autonomous University of Barcelona and is researcher at the Center for Animal Health, Animal Health Research, the Irta Cresa, also in Barcelona, Spain. He also works as a diagnostician at the Veterinary Pathology Diagnostic Service at the university's veterinary school. He's been performing research on swine diseases since 1993. And I said, today we're going to discuss methods how to best vaccinate against porcine circovirus disease. Um, to me, it sounds like we had best start at the total beginning. There are different strategies to tackle the vaccination against PCV2, and that is related to the fact that the virus has different effects on sows as well as on piglets. Shall we briefly touch on um, what is happening to both types of pigs when no vaccination is being applied? Yes, in fact, the PCV2 was discovered a number of years ago. It was in the decade of 90s uh, of the past century. And initially, it was related with a, a novel disease or an apparently novel disease in which, uh, especially post-winning animals, I mean nursery as well as early fattening animals, uh, displayed uh, several clinical signs, but the, the most important one was wasting. Wasting accompanied sometimes by respiratory problems, by also digestive problems, and very importantly, the mortality was very significant. However, this was observed in a very few farms in, in Canada, in the Saskatchewan uh, province. And uh, soon afterwards, this kind of clinical picture uh, became uh, widespread, especially in Europe and Asia first, and then in, in North and South America. So uh, in brief, when you have no vaccination against PCV2, what you can expect, at least in piglets, is mainly wasting and increased mortality. Those are the two major highlights. In sows, the issues are not as clear because the very first descriptions of PCV2 infection in sows were mainly abortions and uh, reproductive late-term reproductive problems. However, what we discovered afterwards, when once vaccination was already there, is that PCV2 caused a very significant, let's say, effect at the subclinical level, so affecting average daily weight gain. This means that most of the effects of PCP2 in non-vaccinated scenarios means something that the naked eye cannot see, which is a subclinical infection. Mm -hmm. And I, if I recall well, 
it took some time to figure out that it was actually the same virus causing these problems, wasn't it? Well, in fact, the, the issue that we had that mid-90s is that those early cases in Canada were related with a porcine circovirus at that time. However, uh, I mean, 25 years ago, it was only one porcine circovirus, which was uh, very well known in terms of non-pathogenic agent, mm -hmm. just as a contaminant of uh, cell culture in the PK-15 cells. Therefore, when it was proposed that porcine circovirus was the cause of this novel disease, it was very reluctant uh, all over, uh, around the world saying that probably PCB cannot be the cause of, of such a new disease. However, the sequencing, the first sequencing studies indicated that this PCB was different from the previous one, which was uh, uh, named as non-pathogenic. Therefore, mm -hmm. that it was uh, called PCB2, and this PCB2 has been associated with a number of diseases. So uh, overall called porcine circovirus diseases, and the wasted form, which is what nowadays near, uh, as PCB2 systemic disease and the PCB2 reproductive disease are the major issues, together with yeah. PCB2 subclinical infection, as well as something which is not that clear, which is porcine dermatitis and nephropathy syndrome, which is at least circumstantially also linked to PCB2. Thank you. That that makes sense. Um, just, just briefly, um, has the virus evolved strongly in terms of clinical science since its emergence? Uh, you mentioned the 90s. Uh, it's, it's, it's been going on. I mean, virus has changed. So has, has, it, uh, has it changed since then? And if so, what would be the strongest changes that you've observed? Well, the porcine circovirus 2 is a single-stranded DNA virus. So by mm -hmm. definition, it's a fast-evolving virus from this point of view. And since the very beginning, the number of sequences of this virus has uh, increased enormously. This means that, uh, of course, different uh, genotyping methods have been developed over the time. And nowadays, we recognize up to nine different genotypes of PCV2. Mm -hmm. However, when when say which are the differential effect of those genotypes in terms of clinical and pathological events associated to them. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there's no clear clue in the sense that PCV2 is considered one single serotype. So far, even there are a number of genotypes. And what could you expect uh, from a clinical pathological point of view are probably the same for all genotypes. Might be there are some slight differences between genotypes, but this has not uh, completely proof. Uh, so from this point of view, you should consider from a clinical point of view or from the veterinary standpoint is mm -hmm. I have one virus, which is PCV2. Sure, that makes sense. Um, now, if we look at the situation in piglets, um, what does a typical vaccination session in piglets look like if you want to protect the piglets from um, PCV2 infection? Um, for instance, how often had pigs best piglets best been vaccinated? Well, at the very end, the best efficiency of PCV2 vaccines have been demonstrated in piglets. And this is mm -hmm. expectable because piglets are the ones getting clinical disease more often. So from this point of view, vaccinating of the target population means that you are controlling such a disease. Uh, mm -hmm. We know by, by praxis that vaccination around three to four weeks of age is more than sufficient to cover mm -hmm. 
from an immunological point of view, whatever problems that came along with uh, PCB2. However, uh, uh, we have been discussing quite a lot of potential interference of material immunity. I'm sure we will mm -hmm. have time to discuss about that. But in general terms for the, let's say, herd immunity that nowadays we have in most of the farms, vaccination at that age is sufficient. One or two doses, of course, this depends on the product. There are some products mm -hmm. in the world which are uh, licensed for one single dose or others who are licensed for two doses. So We've I would seen that with Johnson as well and, 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 and uh, the, 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 the Pfizer vaccines in, in COVID is pretty much the same. That, that's correct from this point mm -hmm. of view. However, uh, we must confess that uh, we must follow strictly the SPC conditions, so the mm -hmm. specific uh, characteristics of the product, because mm -hmm. even we may invent other options, uh, what it's being said by the manufacturer is what we should follow up. So I would recommend always one dose if it's intended for one dose or two doses if it's intended for two doses. And then at three to four weeks would be... Exactly. Three, right four day. weeks yeah. is the best age. Of course, if it's two doses, would be the first one probably around three, four weeks as well. And the second one at five, six weeks of age. Yeah. And now we often see that well, the, 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 the pre-weaning period is a time when more piglets get vaccinated uh, and they get vaccinated against other things as well. Uh, can these PCV2 vaccines, can they be combined with others in general? Or what is the status of that? Well, at the very end, there's another pathogen from which we are vaccinating at a very similar age, which is mycoplasma mm -hmm. high pneumonia. Nowadays, in the market, there are uh, even ready-to-use vaccines, which are combined, mycoplasma, high pneumonia, and PCV2, others which mm -hmm. are ready to mix, which has uh, another possibility. But anyway, even if you apply by separate both vaccines almost at the same age, this shouldn't be a problem. So in general terms, as long as you're vaccinating healthy animals, this is a very compulsory issue, those vaccines should work. But mycoplasma pneumonia is probably the one in which combination makes more sense. True, true, true. Okay. And uh, you already touched on that briefly, but uh, that vaccination, when you vaccinate at three to four weeks of age, it will easily last until the end of the animal's life. Well, in general terms, the duration of immunity of those vaccines are proved to, do, to have be around, I would say, between 18, 22 weeks. Uh, mm. In a clear standpoint, it means the whole production period. If yeah. you are vaccinating at three, four weeks of age. Mm -hmm. So from this point of view, I believe that um, it's not really needed to go for another shot, for example, in older mm -hmm. animals. So those vaccines should be able to cover the production period. A different thing is if those piglets are intended for a guilt uh, replacement. This would be another issue. Fair enough. But even if if the animals would contract PCV2 uh, at the end of the finishing period, doesn't it affect them that much, for instance? Well, in fact, not. And in fact, one of the things that we have observed over the time is mm -hmm. that PCB2 vaccines are excellent vaccines. They are working so well. They are protecting against clinical signs if applied mm -hmm. properly. But of course, they do not avoid infection. So mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we are using the terminology imperfect vaccines, but those imperfect vaccines are extremely useful. So from yeah. this point of view, even those animals, for example, during the fattening period or in the finishing period, get infection. In general mm. terms, that infection is subclinical in nature. It's yeah. true, however, that when you are uh, analyzing the effect of PCV2 
depending on the age, it's true that at older ages, it seems that the impact is lower, even in non-vaccinated animals. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the point is, if you have been vaccinating the animals and then they got infection, sometimes even the natural infection is seen as a kind of booster effect. So it's not mm -hmm. a, uh, affecting from a clinical point of view the animals. Excellent. Well, we've covered that. And I think uh, it's time to move to the south because, well, as we also discussed, there there can be abortions, as you said. It could be related to uh, subclinical effects there. So it's good to look at the vaccinating sows as well. Um, if we're just thinking about sows, not about gilts now, but just uh, regular production sows, how often should uh, sow vaccination happen? Is that, for instance, every cycle or is that something that you do once and then you keep it like that? Could you uh, shed some light on that? Well, in fact, so vaccination is a kind of practice which is not completely extended. I would say mm -hmm. that in the last few years has been increasing in frequency, mm -hmm. but there are many, many farmers still that they do not vaccine sows. In fact, the benefits of vaccinating sows is at different levels because, of course, if we have potential reproductive problems, you may try to prevent those problems. And sometimes even mm -hmm. they could be subclinical. In fact, we do not really know almost, which is the subclinical impact on the reproductive side. This is something that minimal research has been performed on this issue. But we know that at least vaccinating the south, we might try to prevent such a subclinical or even clinical reproductive issues. But there's a second issue as well, which is try to equalize the herd immunity. So the point is, if I'm vaccinating my south, probably I maintain a relatively high uh, herd immunity so that the, the transfer of colostrum to the piglets tends to be more homogeneous. And this homogeneity mm -hmm. avoids the, uh, the appearance of different subpopulations of animals that might be susceptible uh, mm -hmm. once in a while. So from this point of view, I believe that the vaccination of sows is uh, an increasing practice. The point here is when to vaccinate those sows. And mm -hmm. this is what you, you indicated there. Yeah. Does it make sense every six months or every four months or by cycle or or mm -hmm. when exactly? Well, there's many possibilities and everything depends on what is more practical and feasible in the corresponding farms. Mm -hmm. If I would have to choose, my particular preference would be to vaccinate by cycle for one single reason. Mm -hmm. And by cycle means before mating. And this means that, of course, I'm boosting those animals. So increase my levels of antibodies. I'm not talking about cellular immunity because we do not regularly measure it but we can measure antibodies. And what happens when you are vaccinating pre-mating is that you are boosting those animals, increase the levels of antibodies, and then by mid-gestation or some more advanced gestation, they getting slightly down, but still are a strong uh, immunity, not only for the cells, but the one that can transfer by colostrum to the piglet. So this is mm -hmm. a very good strategy because even though you do not have to change your vaccination age in the piglet. So everything works very fine from this point of view. Of course, the point is, might be by cycle, what happened with those sows that they are uh, returning to estrus, those that they are aborting, etc. might be you are creating a very small subpopulation of animals that they do not get vaccinated and they may represent the risk. But anyway, mm -hmm. in a very refined and fine-tuning farms in which they are working really well, 
this should not be a major problem. So that would be my ideal recommendation. But then it turns the practical side. And on the practical side, people prefer sometimes to make a blanket vaccination, understanding blanket vaccination that at a given time point, I'm vaccinating all the cells. And that way, of course, I'm not forgetting any animal. But then I'm But then we're talking anim- about animals. So uh, well, some cells would be in gestation, some would be in lactation. That's and- correct. That's correct. Yeah. This is the mm-hmm. point because in blanket vaccination, I'm vaccinating animals at pre-mating, early gestation, mid-gestation, late gestation, yeah. lactating, etc. All the yeah. animals here. And this means that it could happen that, of course, I might create some small superpopulations of cells that they will be vaccinated at the very end of the gestation. So providing a very significant values, at least in, in terms of antibody levels, that will be transferred mm-hmm. by colostrum. This is a potential danger, but the population is relatively small. So overall, the benefit of vaccination uh, in a blanket fashion probably surpass the fact of non-vaccinated cells. I see. I see. Um, uh, Okay, well, we just talked about the blanket vaccination. Um, Again, in sounds, how long do the do 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 the effects of a a vaccine last? I mean, you've already given it away, saying that you would prefer to do it every production cycle. But I suppose that if blanket vaccination is also applied, that the the effects, in fact, are longer. Well, I would recall here on the duration of immunity because this is what mm-hmm. has been proven, at least for those yeah. products. And uh, if you look at those 18, 22 weeks, this means that probably by vaccinating in case of blanket fashion a couple of times per year should be sufficient to maintain this herd immunity at a good level. So I believe that every six months would be acceptable under that mm-hmm. scenario of blanket vaccination. I see, I see. Okay. Um, again, the question that I asked, are there any, any constraints or any downsides of, of, of sound vaccination at all? Well, uh, for the only one, yeah, the only one that may be of concern is if you are vaccinating the sows too close to farrowing, especially mm-hmm. three to six uh, weeks before farrowing, which was one of the recommendations uh, with the very first vaccine that was licensed in Europe, the major problem that you may face is that you are creating really high antibody levels transferred by colostrum and even the interference with maternal of the maternal immunity with vaccine efficacy in the piglet has not been clearly demonstrated might be it could happen that those animals with extraordinary high titers might be in danger and might be affected by such uh, efficacy for the reason our recommendation is go to vaccination by uh, at the mating time or pre-mating, et cetera, or bicycle, because this means that we never cause such extraordinary high values of, of antibody titers. So this would be the, the strategy, but this would be the only concern in general terms. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about maternally derived antibodies. It's interesting to see if, if, if producers can also say, okay, we're only going to opt for one vaccinated strategy. So you say, I'm going to only vaccinate South or only vaccinate piglets. Is that an option in your perspective and why or why not? Well, uh, there's many options in life. So from this point of view, you have to choose. Uh, However, Mm -hmm. uh, we have to think that PCV2 infection is uh, an infection that may affect whatever uh, animal age and physiological status that you may have in your farm. So if you have an infection that can affect the sows, the boars, the gills, the piglets, Mm -hmm. what it looks like I would say more acceptable to me 
is the concept of continuous protection. And continuous mm -hmm. protection means that I have to protect my sows and I have to protect my piglets. So my best recommendation would be go for both. Imagine for a while I would like to make a translation that for some veterinarians might be sound strange, but to me it's very important. It's like, for example, Ojeski's disease virus, pseudorabies virus. Mm -hmm. Probably nobody can imagine controlling Ojeski if I'm vaccinating only the piglets or only the sows. We have clear ideas that we have to vaccinate both because the chain mm -hmm. of infection implies all those uh, uh, those kind of animals. So here it happened the same. The big thing is that might be I'm vaccinating my piglets and I do not see clinical signs and I feel comfortable because of that. But if we want to control the infection as a whole, probably we will have to go for both collectives. Also, it's very important to remind something. PCV2 systemic disease is as multifactorial as 20 years ago. The point mm -hmm. is that sometimes we do not see clinical signs because simply there are not the risk factors or the triggering factors applying there. So one may wonder if I'm getting the best from my vaccination. And for example, if there are no triggering factors and there's no overt disease, might be the average daily weight gain is not as it's supposed to be. So from this point of view, I, if I want to be sure that everything works well and I'm controlling the viral infection at all levels to consider all the different groups of animals is important. Very good. And that's a very clear answer. Um, we've spoken about the sows and we've spoken about the piglets. I would like to briefly touch on the gills and the boars as well, because obviously if you want to protect the whole farm, we also need to think about those. What can you talk about? What can you say about the vaccination of gilts? Well, take into account that this potential duration of immunity is around what we said, 18, 22 weeks. Of course, mm -hmm. if the, some animals that have been vaccinated at three weeks of or four weeks of age and will represent replacement stock in the future, it's very likely that in the euroclimatation period you should re-vaccinate them against mm -hmm. PCB2. Some veterinarians always ask, but one or two doses in the climation period? Well, take into account that those animals, likely they got one vaccination at three, four weeks of age and might be they got natural infection during the fattening period, probably one single vaccination at the climation period should be more than enough. And then, mm -hmm. of course, once in production, if we are deciding to vaccinate sows, then this uh, fashion, let's say by cycle or mm -hmm. every six months in a blanket vaccination, could be a, a nice follow-up. I see, I see. And how about boars? Well, boars are, uh, well, boars, it's true that and it's not as usual time ago in which we always have boars in the farm, etc. Most of the farms are working with uh, artificial insemination. But again, mm -hmm. boars can be infected with PCV2. So from this point of view, mm -hmm. and even that they are mostly segregated in uh, artificial insemination centers, my recommendation mm -hmm. would be also to vaccinate boars. So mm -hmm. I would consider this as a, a general overall control of the chain of infection. Yeah, and then the six months, for instance, could be a good interval again. For, for example, however, there's one important issue that this is different from other viruses. Even PCV2 can be shed by semen it's clear, at least based on a number of studies that they were performed around 10 years ago, that uh, the levels of PCV2 shed in semen are probably not enough to infect sows 
when being inseminated. So from mm-hmm. this point of view, one may say, come on, I do not want to vaccinate my uh, my boards because otherwise maybe I will lose some doses or some doses during uh, a period of time. But in general mm-hmm. terms, it's not the risk of infecting then through the semen, whatever farm, but it's just the point of having a health, uh, let's say, program in your start. Yeah, and making sure that the virus just doesn't stand a chance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to call my colleague Iris because we have a couple of questions from uh, from our some some listeners, and uh, Iris is helping out to ask these questions to you. Iris, are you there? Here I am, Vincent. Hi, and very nice to meet you as well. Uh, I actually, yeah, I got a couple of questions. There um, is or two questions I will combine to make it a little bit easier. Um, and this, um, so I will ask them together. Uh, wouldn't the self-vaccination increase the maternally derived antibody level on colostrum and interfere on the efficacy of the piglet vaccination? And the second one, well, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> and the second one is how does the MDA level interact with piglet vaccines? Yeah, in fact, it's what we discussed before. As long as I'm vaccinating cells, definitely I'm increasing the level of antibodies in the colostrum, that's for sure. And in fact, this is good because what we pretend is to transfer solid immunity to the piglet at the very end. However, uh, I would prefer to have solid immunity, but not too high immunity for the reason the vaccination timing of the sow would be much better to be performed before mating, by cycle, etc. whenever you want. So you leave time to increase, to maintain high levels of antibodies in the sow, but not that high at the time of maternal-derived immunity transfer, okay? So from this point of view, this would not interfere with the vaccine intake in the piglet. However, what is true, and this has been demonstrated for all vaccines in the market, the higher the levels of antibodies that the piglet receive uh, uh, by, by colostrum, there's certain degree of interference with the seroconversion against the vaccine. This means that the antibody generation by the vaccine is lower as long as the antibodies in the piglet at the time of vaccination are higher. However, do not confound the fact of no seroconversion with no efficacy. There's nothing to do. At the very end, we perfectly know that those are vaccines which offers strong, not only humoral immunity, but especially cellular immunity. So from this point of view, I would not be majorly concerned by the level of antibodies uh, in the in the colostrum unless those are extraordinarily high. Of course, and there's another important point. Might be, might be not all vaccines perform equally in a context of maternal-derived immunity. Because when you look at the literature published in the different peer-reviewed journals, you see that very few vaccines have been tested in terms of interference or not interference with vaccine intake in the piglet. So this is something that would be very interesting, even to make side-by-side comparisons with all the different vaccines in the market. However, I always invite companies to try to find something like that. But so far, I have not been good in convincing anybody to do such side-by-side comparison. But it would be very nice to see it. Exactly. Oh, sorry, Vincent, did you want to say anything? 
Oh, no, no. I think, okay, it's a good, it's a good uh, call to action to all the listeners. Uh, perhaps somebody is um, picking up the challenge. Exactly. Well, hopefully, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that, of course, uh, all vaccines in the market work quite well. So from this point of view, we must confess that I believe PCV2 vaccine has been a revolution of the last 30 years in positive, in the sense that uh, they provide more piglets sold per sow uh, and year, uh, less use of antibiotics, uh, less mortality, etc. Of course, the antibody, uh, I, the antimicrobial uh, retirement, uh, it's, it's changing the game nowadays. But when the uh, PCV2 vaccines came into the market, it was a big difference. Uh, however, uh, the major problem sometimes is that even those vaccines work very well, novel scenarios are being generated because PCV2 vaccination change something importantly, especially when you only vaccinate piglets, which is a change in the epidemiological landscape of PCV2 infection. As long as I'm increasing my vaccination pressure, I'm decreasing my infection pressure. So, and we have seen this, we have seen that might be a proportion of animals or even batches of animals reach a slaughterhouse with almost no seroconversion mm -hmm. against the virus. Of course, the, uh, the immunity pr provided by the vaccine almost disappeared and some of those animals will be used as replacement stock. So what happened if you are introducing almost seronegative animals into the production cycle? Might be even we are creating subpopulations of animals which are really protected while others are not. And this theory of subpopulations at immune level that it could be applied to PERS virus, could be applied to influenza, could be applied to almost any pathogen also applies to PCV2. And then what we have seen, especially in the last six, seven, eight years, some cases of PCV2 systemic disease in animals which have been vaccinated. But the major problem here is that vaccination took place too late because early infections appeared because of such a situation of subpopulations. But anyway, those things are probably would be uh, sorted it out if we are vaccinating sows and gilts. So from this point of view, the solution is there. So it shouldn't be a major problem. Exactly. Yeah, you're already uh, talking about uh, PCV2. And actually, the uh, next question is about that. Um, considering PCV2 is an involving virus and PCVD is an involving disease, are there any chances you would foresee the PCVD management control for the future? Well, I must confess that what I foresee for the future is that probably cell vaccination will increase in, in terms of rate of vaccination. There are some countries in which there are almost no vaccination cells. Others, they are vaccinated quite a lot of cells, so there's quite a variation. At least the practical experiences that I have been sharing with a number of veterinarians is that when you are vaccinating adequately cells and piglets, probably is when you get the best of the benefits. However, of course, in a farm in which might be there's no triggering factors, you do not see anything at, at the naked eye, uh, you are not measuring the growth specifically, etc. might be your perception will be, hey, I do not need to, to vaccinate sows. However, I, I would challenge everybody said, okay, measure, measure the things, not only at the clinical level, at, also at the subclinical level. And this means that you have to follow up average daily weight gain, reproductive performance, et cetera, et cetera. And all together, probably it makes the, the whole box, the whole package uh, ready for, for production. But anyway, th this is my, uh, my ideas for the future. In fact, I must confess, I 
told these ideas since many, many years. First of all, I was considered quite crazy. Might be I'm quite crazy. You never know from this point of view. But I have seen over time that the rate of self-vaccination is increasing. And even several years ago, we did also a more crazy thing, which was, is it possible to eradicate PCV2 by means of PCV2 vaccination? Of course, eradicating an ubiquitous virus is probably an impossible task. However, what we demonstrated in the study that we performed is that by mass vaccination of piglets and sows, and this implied to vaccinate piglets twice at four and seven weeks of age and vaccinated sows three times a year, which is really, really intensive, we were able to decrease the infection pressure to the point that the virus was not able to be detected by PCR in the farm for a period of time. Of course, if you are not able to detect the virus in spite of efforts for detecting it by means of PCR, serology, etc., this means that the infection pressure is so low and your growth rates are probably the best ones that you may have. And we demonstrated that when you stop such practice, then some problems arise again. Of course, people who said, come on, Kim, finally, you didn't eradicate the, the infection. You, you are completely right. We didn't eradicate anything. But in an eradication program, you never do vaccination for six months in a massive manner, and then you stop. You, you continue all over time. And Ojeski's disease is, again, a good example of that. Here in Spain, we still vaccinate against Ojeski's disease virus in most of the farms, in spite that we have been free from the infection for the last 11 years. So one eradication program needs time and not only one, two farms to be tested. Everybody has to do the same. But anyway, that was a crazy idea that I still believe that PCB2 can be quite well controlled by means of mass vaccination. You, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned something interesting, which I would like because uh, we recently heard the story from Hungary that they managed to eradicate the PERS virus, and that was the, the virus kind of uh, is kept. I suppose it's got all to do with biology and with the, the viruses being completely incomparable to each other. But something like that is not possible with PCV two. Well, if I'm saying yes, people will tell me I'm crazy. So mm -hmm. again, I mean, so, so, so no, but I truly believe that if we would have a mass vaccination program, both sows and boars, gills and piglets, and probably twice in the piglets, for example, the likelihood of detecting the virus in those farms would be mm -hmm. very, very low. Of course, it's an ubiquitous virus. And you may say, hey, you have environmental contamination. The virus could be elsewhere, even not causing evident infection in the pigs uh, that cause seroconversion. But it's true that we can really reduce the, uh, in this case, the infectious pressure. However, imagine for a while, I'm vaccinating the south three times a year. I'm vaccinating the piglets twice. This is extremely expensive. This is not a, a cheap vaccine, for example. So the point is, does it pays back? Yeah. The fact of using such mass vaccination strategy, depending on the outcome that you will have, because of course, if I'm controlling the disease by means mm -hmm. of one single shot in the piglets, I might be vaccinating the sows uh, twice a year, or even in some farms, even without vaccinating sows, why I should have to go for such an extensive and expensive system? So, but anyway, those are much more things related with research or personal interest rather than probably practice that should be applied. Well, ideal to touch on during a podcast, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, well, they always say all scientists uh, were crazy once. So, um, 
Probably, yes. One's more crazy than others, probably, as well. But anyway, so yeah, exactly. a, a, a little point of craziness is needed for the for being a researcher. I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, the journal, my journalists have the same. Exactly. Uh, well, <laughs> back to you, Vincent. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, good job, Iris. Uh, great to have you here as well. Uh, I just would like to wrap it up um, by just uh, having one summarizing advice for our listeners. If, uh, um, if what, if you would give a, a, fac, a, a vaccination strategy, a PCVT vaccination strategy for a swine farm, what would currently be your ideal advice? My ideal advice would be to vaccinate the piglets for sure. Uh, be mm -hmm. around three, four weeks of age. And nowadays, I believe that I would uh, vaccinate the sows by cycle. That would be my best advice. And very, very important, vaccinate always healthy animals. Because one of the things that we have observed, especially in face of PERS virus, PERS virus is still a, quite an uncontrolled virus in most of the farms and countries. If you are vaccinating in face of co-infections, then your vaccine may not be effective. So be mm -hmm. sure that when you are vaccinating, you are vaccinating healthy animals healthy animals go for the for the the, the the piglets at about three to four weeks of age and make sure the sows by cycle excellent thank you very much professor sigalis i think that concludes this uh, the second podcast on the pcv2 um so i'd like to thank you uh, for being with us today in the meet the experts series thank you very um, much my, my real pleasure vincent yeah it was a pleasure from us as well and a, a real honor to have you here um, I'd like to close off by saying that in the next episode of this podcast series, we'll go into a completely different subject. Um, those who have followed the recent webinar series may have already heard a little bit about it. We will welcome then uh, veterinary practitioner Dr. Franz Lappe, working for VVET in Germany, as well as Dr. Cecilia korbeck kjeldia attached to Aarhus University in Denmark. And we shall talk on tail biting and whether or not and to what extent gut health plays a role in the origin of that problem. So there's definitely something to, uh, to attend and to listen to, I am sure. For now, I would like to thank our listeners for being with us. I'd like to uh, thank Professor Segalis for being with us today. And hopefully we'll all be uh, back again soon. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>